It's Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, show number 337th, and happy 7th anniversary to us. We're brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, we have a bunch to cover tonight, but before we get to that, happy 7th anniversary to us we've come a long way bill hard to believe but yeah our first show was april 30th of 2014 and here we are seven years later doing as you said show number 337 and instead of subpar phone quality from back in the day we're now doing our shows live via video so everybody can see our smiling faces and we're part of a network of great philly sports shows and by the way, Bill, look how young I looked when we started doing this seven years ago. I was just a kid. Look. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were. <laughs> well, well, you know what? We're going to talk about a lot of things that made you look from there to now over this. Uh, I don't know what over happened. The, over the next hour, that's for sure. Hey, before we get started, let's give a quick rundown to uh, all the shows at the Edge of Philly Sports Network that's covering the NFL draft this week. Uh, it all starts with us right now. Yeah, we get it going, and here's what we have covered or going on this week. You and me and our special guest this evening, who we'll introduce in just a second. And then we have the regular Edge of Philly Sports Show that's normally a Wednesday night. That's happening Thursday evening this week because of the draft kicking off Thursday evening. Friday night, we're doing a live show at the South House Pub in Philly. Me, Freddie Burns, a couple of the other guys from the network. And then Saturday morning, it's the Patterson Avenue Fanatics with special guest Anthony Gargano from WIP. Sunday, it is the Bird's IQ. Normally, they're on in the evening, but they're moving it up to 3 o'clock on Sunday because they know everybody wants to talk about the draft that will have been completed by then. So a great lineup of shows for you this week on Edge of Philly Network. Yeah, it really is. And uh, the guys, all of us, have worked real hard over the last few weeks to bring this all together, and it, I think it's going to be a blast. Uh, we're yeah. going to have it covered. We're going to have it covered wire to wire starting right now. Let's so do it. With that, with that, we have a new guest tonight in the second half of the show in Brent Porch. But right now, it's time to welcome back our old friend and one of our favorite guests, Mark Eckel. Mark, welcome. How you guys doing? Doing great, Mark. Doing great. Hey, we're going to talk about the NFL draft in a couple of a couple of minutes. But uh, you had said on a couple of occasions oh, in thanks. past years on our show, "quote Carson Wentz is the least of the Eagles' problems." Now that was before last season when well, you last joined us. And as it turned out, your last visit—no, your last visit with us was December second, and that happened to be four days before Wentz's last half of football as an Eagle starting quarterback. We know what happened uh, out in Green Bay. He got benched in the second half. So from your vantage point, because it was five years ago tonight, by the way, that the Eagles drafted Wentz. Five years ago tonight, they took him. Uh, from your vantage point, what was the problem with him and the Eagles? Was it him? Was it the injury? Was it the Eagles coaching staff or what? All of the above. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I, and I'm not there anymore, so I'm, I'm just I'm here from people. It's funny, when you're not there, people like to tell you more because they figure out. <laughs> I'm kind of harmless now, I guess. They don't know I come on with, with you guys and, and can tell, tell the, the real stories. Yeah. I mean, it, what happened, I think a lot of it was Doug versus Carson. They just fell out of favor with each other. Um, and I think, I think I, I've always believed this. I think Doug wanted to keep Nick Foles way back after the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'll, I'll take this forever that if it was Doug's decision, and I'm not saying it would have been the right decision, but I think – Doug would have said, let's keep Foles and let's see what, what, what we can get for, for, for Carson, which they would have gotten a ton of – they would have gotten a lot yeah. more than they got for him now. Yeah. And, you know, moved them then. And then the injuries are a factor. I mean, the guy – he had two major injuries. He had the torn ACL, which – it was more than just a torn ACL. There was other damage yeah. as well. And then he had the back problem. So it kind of cut out his mobility because he was a pretty mobile guy when he first came in the league. I mean, he, he could move. He, has, he escaped. He didn't run for a lot of yards per se. But he made that offensive line look a lot better by avoiding sacks and, and getting out of trouble and making some great plays on, on the move. And I think in his mind he could still do that, but he couldn't. And that, that's where he got himself in a lot of trouble, trying to still think he – instead of just throwing the ball away sometimes, he tried to buy more time, and then he wound up either getting sacked or throwing an interception or 
you know, he, he made some bad decisions uh, last year as well as not, not, it wasn't just, you know, playing poorly. It was making bad decisions, not getting rid of the ball soon, you know, not taking a little dump off for four or five yards, trying to make the big play. But now, you know, I think the story of next NFL season is how does Carson Wentz do with the Colts? If he goes there and plays well and turns back into the Carson Wentz of his first couple years, then maybe maybe there was more problems with the Eagles than we think. If he goes there and he's just as bad and, and he's still making bad decisions and he still can't move and he still, you know, does the same things he did last year, then obviously the problem is Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, Mark, staying with the quarterback, uh, you, you mean, you've been in this, been around the Eagles and Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman for a long time, longer than the rest of us. Um, we got out. So here, so here, <laughs> so here we are. We, uh, we, we've got rid of Wentz. We're moving on. Now we have um, Jalen Hurts. And now the word's out, well, okay, maybe he's not our guy and that they were looking to move up to, to possibly pick Zach Wilson, but they couldn't get him from the Jets. It didn't sound like they weren't giving that up. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, of the guy that's got a girlfriend, but he's looking for a bride. You know, he, he wants somebody to get somebody else to marry. And now, now you have Wentz, who's in this starting spot, or not Wentz, uh, Hurts. Um, is, is this just a real uh, a, a train wreck or what? I think they're not going to get a quarterback. I, I I can't believe they're going to take a quarterback in this draft, and I don't think they should. I think I think Hurts, and I don't know how I feel about Hurts yet because I haven't seen enough. But I think he deserves the opportunity. Listen, the Eagles aren't going to the Super Bowl in 2021, right? I mean, it would take a bigger miracle than it did when they did go. I mean, it would—they're just not going to the Super Bowl. This is a rebuild. I mean, they've all but said it's a rebuilding year, right? So give Hurts the opportunity. Give him 17 games to see what he can do. Put some people around him, draft him, give him some help here and there, and see what he is. And then after you still might not know, but you'll have a pretty good idea. If he plays well and, and they have a winning record, say, and and things look good, now you say, okay, maybe he is our guy. And then you add more to him next year, and then you see what – and then go from, from there. If he's not the guy, if, if, he, if he plays poorly next year, then you know, okay, he's, no, he's nothing more than a backup, maybe a gimmick kind of guy. And then you'll have at least two, if not three, first-round picks next, next year. And if he's really bad, you might have a real good pick. Right. I mean, if he's really bad, they're, they're not going to win a lot of games and get your quarterback next year and then and then move on from, from there or use it to trade. I mean, I don't know what quarterbacks. I mean, there were there's a lot of rumors about Russell Wilson. They didn't come. Obviously, Seattle's kept them. But who knows who, who might become become available? All right. Let's talk draft, Mark. And before we talk about the Eagles and what they might do, um, they're going to draft 12th overall, barring a trade. Okay. I'm glad you said let's talk it. about, yeah, let's talk <laughs> about the four or five quarterbacks expected to be taken in the first half of round one. History tells us that not all of them will succeed. Which quarterbacks of these top four or five guys are most likely to succeed in the NFL and which one or two are most likely to flop? <laughs> I was going to say, here comes the Clemson hat. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Lawrence is a real deal. I yeah. mean, he's, he should go number one. He's going to go number one. Again, you know, a lot could happen. Help, you know, is a big factor. But he's, he's shown he can do just about anything you'd, you'd want your quarterback to do. He's smart. He has a good arm. He can move a little bit. He's he's a winner. Um, so. I'm really looking forward to Urban Meyer and um, Trevor Lawrence together. I mean, those although it's going to be interesting because the two of them combined have probably lost what six games in the last five years. But I mean, they neither one of them knows how to lose. Yeah, and they're going to lose the first. That, that Jacksonville, even with Lawrence, they're not going to. They were one in fifteen last year. They're not going to all of a sudden be fifteen and one. So mm-hmm. it's going to be just interesting to see how both of those guys handle some adversity because neither one of them ever has. Yeah, well, what I think is going to be interesting is how Trevor Lawrence handles Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is very difficult, very, very difficult. And I'm being nice to say you, you what know he really is. Florida, right? I mean. Oh, I know Urban Meyer. You know, oh, okay. I've had a couple run-ins with Urban Meyer, not run-ins, meetings, and I am not a fan in any oh, which really? way. No. Even as a coach? Even as a oh, No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But, you know, he could get away with some of that stuff with college kids. We'll see if he can get away with it with pros. We'll find out. That's going to be interesting, then. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. So, Mark, uh, we're part of the Edge of Philly Sports Network now, and Bill and a bunch of the other guys from the network did a little bit of a mock draft for round one, and there's picks one through eight. Everybody, of course, has Trevor Lawrence going number one. You see Zach Wilson 
going number two for, you know, most of the guys, Justin Fields high up there. I want to ask you though, Mark, what is your first uh, 10 or 11? What's going to happen before the Eagles are on the board unless they trade? Okay. So I agree. It's going to be Lawrence one, obviously Wilson's going to go two. I'm, I'm saying fields three. I know there's a lot of smoke and Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. I didn't, I don't think San Francisco traded up to take Mac. Jones. I'm an Alabama fan. And I'm, I love Mac Jones at, at Alabama, just like I loved AJ McCarron at Alabama, but AJ McCarron lasted a couple of years as a, as a backup. And I, I believe he's out of the league now. I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to be that, but he's not the third pick of the draft. I and like I, fields. Yeah, Fields should go three. And I'm not an Ohio State guy at all, but Fields should go three. And then I think Kyle Pitts goes four to Atlanta. Uh, from what I'm told, there was discussion. The owner was thinking quarterback. Uh, the, the new general manager, Fontenot, and, and the new head head coach both say, no, let's, we, 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 think, we think Matt Ryan still has a little bit in him. Let's, let's bring in Kyle Pitts, who's a, a phenom. He's going to be like no tight end you've ever seen before. So let's get him in here. And see what happens. Uh, Cincinnati at five, I believe, takes Jamar Chase, put him back together with with Joe Burrow. I know a lot of people want an offensive lineman there, and they and they could they they could go Sewell, but I think they could still get a good offensive lineman with their second round pick, which would be what, what like 37, 38, I guess 30, 38. The Eagles pick thirty seven. You can still get a good tackle there, not one as good as Sewell, but the drop off between Sewell and that tackle that you'll get in the second round isn't as drastic as the drop-off between Chase and a wide receiver that you would get there. Chase is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So they came up five. Six is Miami. They're going to take one of the Alabama wide receivers. I just don't know which one. I think Mark must have been reading my picks, Chet. Oh, really? Okay, good. We're <laughs> on the same page. Um, well, mine, mine will appear tomorrow morning on, on Packer re- Report. Um, oh, yeah, there you go. First six, well, the same. How about well, I had Lance. Lance. Not, not exactly. I, yeah, we, I had Lance there at three. Yeah. Oh, okay. You might be right. I just can't believe that, that they would pass fields. But um, six, one of the Miami receivers, like I said, Waddle or Smith. I say Smith, but it, I wouldn't be shocked if it's if it's Waddle. Um, seven is Detroit. I gave them school. I mean, they could use anything. They could go anywhere. I mean, they, that team's not very good. The roster is not very strong. Uh, new head coach, new general manager. Bring in a big-time tackle, you know, build, you know, a lot of teams like to build from the lines out, so give them soul. Um, eight is who's eight? Carolina, Carolina. my hometown Panthers. Yeah. Um, I thought I now see. Here's where I, I was talked off this. I thought they were going to take one of the cornerbacks. I thought they were going to take either J.C. Horn or um, Patrick Sertan. Now I was told if the draft goes the way I have it at the first seven that they're going to take. Rashawn Slater, the, the big tackle from from Northwestern. I still think they, I still think they might take Horn, but I'm going to go with Slater. Um, nine is Denver. Now they traded for Teddy Bridgewater earlier. Yeah. I don't think that matters. I think they take Trey Lance. Hmm. And Bridgewater's and Bridgewater would would be a perfect band aid, you know, stopgap. I, I, I think Bridgewater is a decent quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl, but I think he's he's better than than a lot of guys in the league. But I think I think Trey Lance is the kind of quarterback the Broncos like. Um, to put him at nine, uh, the Dallas Cowboys will they'll take a, a corner. They'll they'll take Sertan, I believe. The Giants at eleven. I'm pretty sure about this. They'll take the wide receiver that Miami doesn't take. Oh, if they take if if Miami takes. Um, Waddle, they'll take Smith. If they take, if Miami takes Smith, they'll take Waddle. So that, and now the Eagles are on the clock. Correct? Yes, yep. indeed. Number 12. So let me take my Clemson hat off and put on my Gamecocks hat. My Carolina <laughs> Because they're going to take J.C. Horn. That's okay. You like the way I did that? That was a little, little prop. I did. It was. That was. <laughs> son, son of Joe Horn. Yep. I love J.C. Horn. I think Jace, I'm, I'm on the record a couple other places saying J.C. Horn will be the defensive rookie of the year next year. Wow. I think he's that good. So, so Mark, with what you got there in the top 12, do you see any trades? Uh, yeah, possibility? Exactly. Any great yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's what's going to screw everything up because you make one trade and all your picks. Are not. The Eagle, I think the Eagles are going to. The Eagles could very easily trade. I, and matter of fact, a, an agent who I talk to frequently, you know, kind of plugs me into to some things, told me, the Eagles will not be. The Eagles will not have the twelfth pick in the draft. They will either they will either move up 
Because I think they, I think they really want one of the wide receivers. Yeah, but but they got to get ahead. They got to move ahead of the Giants. I mean, everybody knows Miami's taking one of them, right? So right. the other ones could could fall to the Eagles, but I'm told the Giants are going to take them. So they have to get ahead of the Giants. They probably wouldn't trade with the Cowboys, right? Well, where where does it make sense, though, Mark? If you traded down to get and you got a number one pick, you, you know, an extra number one pick to trade down to have to trade a number one pick to get back up. Uh, what, what what have you gained there? Nothing. <laughs> um, well, I don't think they, they would, they wouldn't give up a number one. They, they wouldn't have to go as high. I mean, they only have to go ahead. They only have to move ahead of the giants. Now, if Dallas, well, see, but Dallas might not want to risk losing Sertan to Sertan. the, because the giants, if, if the Eagles move up to nine or up to 10 and take the other wide receiver, then the giants might say, all right, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, we'll take a corner now. So, right. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I guess Denver would be the likely spot to move up to nine. Um, but see, I don't think the Eagles should move up. They, they need more bodies, not less. Just take a good, those, they'll still be somebody good there at 12. I think Horn's great. If Horn is, if Horn's a guy that falls to him, they did well. Now, in, a, in another scenario, if I was right on my first thought that Carolina takes a, a corner, so let's say Carolina takes Sertan and Dallas takes Horn, that's when Eagles might want to move back and get even more picks. Go down. Because then I think, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this, this note that's been floating around everywhere. Going all the way back to 1988 or 89, I think it is, when the Eagles have picked in the top half of the first round, they've taken two quarterbacks, McNabb and Wentz, and every other pick has either been an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. Mm. So they usually, when they pick this early, they usually go big. And I don't think they're if, – if Sewell and Slater are gone, I don't think there's an offensive lineman worth taking it at 12. And I don't think there's a defensive lineman worth taking at 12 either, to be honest with you. Jalen Phillips is pretty good, but he has that injury background that you got to be a little worried about. Um, but, but if they move back to, like, say New England wants to come up or – um, I don't know the bear. I don't. There's a lot of teams that might want to come up to to, to twelve. Um, I still have Mac Jones on the board. So, mm-hmm. if somebody- I think it. I think it would be interesting if if uh, they went big and didn't go for a difference maker. I, I think the fan base, especially, yeah. is looking for a difference maker on one side of the ball or the other. You know, a lockdown corner like Sertan or or Horn or uh, or one of those wide receivers. I think they're looking for. Somebody that's going to make well, something happen. Well, I agree, but but if the four of them go, what do you do? That's when you move back. I don't think you risk. I don't unless see Slater's pretty good, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they would. That certainly isn't a sexy pick taking an offensive lineman. That's not the, no. the splash that the fans want. But again, but you can't you can't draft to please your fans. You have to draft the best player. Well, Mark, speaking of the fans, they've been very critical of Howie Roseman of late and uh, Jeffrey Lurie, apparently Jeffrey Lurie getting involved in things, making uh, some suggestions regarding who should be drafted. Uh, now, at his news conference last week, Howie Roseman kind of implied that he's going to trust the draft guys a little more. Do you know Andy Wydell at all? He was there in 2016. You were still there and right. he's, you know, moved up through the ranks. Now he's the VP of player personnel or whatever. Maybe they'll give him more say this year. Do you know much about him and what do you think uh, his role will be in making the actual picks this year? How he's making the picks. Hmm. Come on. He can say what he wants. He can't help himself. I mean, I, I, he's a general manager. He should. I mean, if, if you're gonna let if you're gonna let another guy make make your picks, I mean, listen to him. Don't be don't be you know pigheaded and say it's my. Well, way. that's the thing. They got to listen to these guys who are out there scouting. Right. Take their reports and and what what good teams do. And I'm not and I'm not saying Eagles aren't a good team. And maybe they do that, but you put you don't wait till Thursday night to decide who you're taking. You you have your scouts information. You you put it all together on a on a board. Everybody talks about their 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 board. Well, teams have a board. Go with that. You know, take Andy Waddell's information and and all your other regional scouts and and put it on the board. Put it you know listed how you do what they do horizontal and vertical, and take the best guy on the board. Or if you come to twelve and you're like, wow, we have you know the guy we have here, we can probably still get him at eighteen. Then think then make some calls and see. Or people will be calling you. So. You know, do the right thing. I mean, don't worry about 
position at that point. Take the best player. You always get when teams reach. I remember the first draft I ever covered was 1985. I'm going way back now. The Eagles needed a tackle, right? Everybody knew they needed a tackle, and there were two that they really liked: Lomas Brown and Ken Ruckers. And we didn't know. You know, it was split on who which one they were they were, they were going to take. Well, I think the Eagles were picking ninth in the draft. The first six go off the board as expected. The Lions take Lomas Brown. Everybody says, "Okay, well," and the the Eagles will get Ken Ken Ruckers. That's still good. Because Buffalo was picking eight, and Buffalo didn't need offensive linemen. I mean, Buffalo wanted defense or whatever, whatever. Well, Green Bay traded with Buffalo ahead of the Eagles and took Ken Ruckers. Well, there was a lot of good players still on that board. One was a wide receiver by the name of, um, I think it was Jerry Rice. I think, I think that was his name, Jerry Rice. <laughs> but the Eagles didn't need a wide receiver, so they let Jerry Rice go. And they there was some other good – there were some good linebackers. They took Kevin Allen. Yeah. Who, spent more, who spent more time in jail than he did on the, on the Eagles. Yes, he did. And they reached for an offensive lineman, and that was just – you don't do that. I mean, that's how you get in trouble. Bill, last question from you. Yeah, Mark, I wanted – I didn't know Chet was going to ask that one because I wanted to get you to kind of walk us through quickly as you could because you're running out of time. Um, how, with your Roseman, Lori, that you followed, how does that draft actually take place? Does um, – or the, is the head coach in there and actually having his say, or is Roseman? Is it Roseman's show? He kind of no. tried to. He tried to kind of uh, push that off. I thought in this last press conference last week. Well, again, what he says and what he does doesn't always add up. Now, Andy Reid had say, especially at the end. I mean, you know, Andy worked his way and earned his way. For instance, I know for a fact. I forget what year it was because the years blend together. But the but the Nick Foles when the Eagles drafted Nick Foles. The scouting, the scouting staff and Howie wanted Kirk Cousins. Matter of fact, that was a done deal. They were going to take Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins. Andy and Marty Morningweg, who was Andy's assistant at the time, um, loved Foles. And Andy said, no, we're not taking Cousins. We're taking Foles. So Andy had say. Andy had a lot of say. I don't think, I don't think Doug had that. Doug, I don't think, had any say. I mean, it's a shame what they did to him. But um, And I think this new guy, Siri, Sirianni's not, certainly not going to have any any. I mean, he'll have saying like, this guy will fit my offense better than that guy. And that's a coach should be able to say that, right? I mean, you hope. Um, yeah, you sure you sure do. <laughs> but I, you know, Lori, you know, people are making a big deal about, you know, hey, Jeffrey Lori's more he was always involved. He, you know, he just didn't it wasn't played up as much. I mean, Joe Banner, who I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, took a lot of bullets for, for Jeffrey Lurie, and I think Howie does as, does as well. Jeffrey has a lot of say, than, than more, more say than people realize in terms of who they pick and what, and even who they sign as free agents and stuff. Lurie was the one that signed, um, I can't remember his name, the, the, the running back from da- Murray, from Dallas. Mm. That was all, that wasn't Chip Kelly, that was that was Jeffrey Lurie. Lurie yeah, uh, that worked out Lurie. well, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's well, why Mark, owners should worry about spending money on on nice things, and you know, not not on plate. Not let them let your people do your do the job. Right. Hey, Mark, we know you got to run tonight, uh, so we don't have time for a fast five. But oh, I want to I want to ask you. you All right, let's do a, a three three and out. How's that? Right, there you go. Sounds three good. and out like the Eagles' right. offense. Uh, <laughs> <Isn't that> nice. <laughs> number one, not knowing how the draft will turn out, of course. How many games will the Eagles win next season? Remember, it's a 17 game season. Seven. Over under six and a half. So I should bet yeah. the over? No, I didn't. I have to. Maybe a lot, a little small bet on it. <laughs> number two, I don't think we ever asked you this before. Who are your favorite football announcers? Oh, now Tony Romo. Really? I love Romo. Okay, I, you know what, uh, listen, I don't remember all those years I was at games. I never. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and then by covering games so much, I, and I tell people this all the time, and people say, "Oh, did did you listen to Collinsworth last night?" He was. I'm like, I've been so trained to just watch and not listen that yeah. I don't know what the announcers say sometimes, but I do um, like yeah. to remember a lot. And number three, Mark. Today, my calendar tells me today is superhero day. Do you have a favorite superhero, and do you even watch those uh, superhero movies? Batman. Batman. I like all the Batman movies, like the Dark Knight. There you go. Yeah, that, but without it, Spider-Man, I like a little bit. But Batman, okay. Batman by, by far. I don't even know, like, the, the Avengers guys. I don't really know. I got you. Bill, wrap it up. Hey, Mark, one one final thing. What's the Packers record going to be? 
16 and one. <laughs> <laughs> they lose it to the Eagles. <laughs> not this year. No, not this year. No. Uh, one last thing. How'd you like Aaron? How would you like Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy? He was pretty good, wasn't he? He did a I good mean, job. Yeah. Am I biased because I like Aaron Rodgers? Or you he? are. Yeah. But was he good? He well? was good, but I still like Ken Jennings better. And oh, uh, they were the two best, I thought. And the other guy, uh, I thought, um, Dr. Oz. the guy from CNN. Gosh. Anderson Cooper? Yes, Anderson Cooper. I thought I he did a good job. I don't like the way he looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got one. I got one for uh, Chet. Yeah. Can I ask you like a one and out? Sure. One and done, we'll call it. Yeah. So you're the only person I know that watched the Academy Awards. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> this Was this the worst year ever for, for movies? Uh, it wasn't great, but I did actually like a lot of the movies. And I was going to ask you one. Yeah, I did. I liked Mank. I liked The Trial of Chicago 7. And um, it wasn't one of the nominated Best Picture movies, but it got a couple nominations. One Night in Miami about, uh, you know, Cassius Clay and all those guys. I thought that was very good. But like Nomadland, I watched Nomadland was okay. I I know some of our... I do like Francis McDormand a lot. Yeah, some of our viewers love that movie. And it won Best Picture, obviously. I didn't think it was Best Picture. it, it It wasn't, it was okay. It was kind of boring, to be honest. Well, it just didn't do anything. I didn't yeah. watch it and say, wow, what a great movie. Exactly. Well it's done. Worst year, kind of worst year ever. I, I think it was the worst year ever. For me. Yeah. Well, you know, it was the pandemic and it was so very different. There weren't, there weren't yeah. a whole lot of blockbusters out there. You still write a good, you still do a good movie. I know. <laughs> next, year, next year's got to be better. Yes. All right. All right, Mark. Hey, appreciate you coming by. We took up a little more extra of your time, but we appreciate you doing it with us. We're worth it. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks, right, Mark. All right. See ya. Hey, Chad, if your couch is getting more <laughs> mileage than your car, it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay as you go auto insurance. Yeah, you know it, Bill. Allstate's pay as you go insurance plan puts you in control. You only pay for the miles that you drive. With the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers, pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. Start to save more now that you are driving less. And Bill, because it is draft night eve... Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! I got to say, I love that. Oh, yeah, me too. Always good to hear Merrill. <laughs> well, hey, Chet, I went out on a limb last week to compliment Joel Embiid, oh, only gosh. to be disappointed by him laying out against the Bucks on Saturday. The Sixers lose by 38 points. He, my friend, is an embarrassment. I take back the compliment from last week. Come on, Bill. Bum. The guy He's the guy bum. had an issue with his right shoulder. He was questionable oh, on it. Monday, by the way, and he did play. Ben Simmons, finally, who had been out with an illness all of last week. And uh, Monday night, they helped the two of them helped the Sixers oh. to a blowout win over the Thunder. And listen, Joel Embiid, I think, really wants to win the MVP award but he almost certainly won't because of how many games he missed. But that being the case, I really think he would have played last Saturday had he been able to. So, Furman, lay off! He's a bum. They'll win. They will not win. They will not win this year with him. Won't happen. Mark I, think it down. Winning, I think they're winning two series and then, uh, you know, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Beyond that, who knows? But I think they are going to win two series no matter who it's against. So that's better than the last couple of years. Two series means absolutely nothing. If you, it, you're gonna win, they're supposed to be winning this thing. I know. I know. By the way, they're now a game and a half behind Brooklyn since we've mentioned that every week for the last eight that uh, there was no separation in those guys. There is now, and it went the other way. Well, yeah, because the Sixers lost four straight last week without Simmons in the lineup, by the way, who thinks he's pretty good, apparently. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much that played into it. But, yeah, losing four straight, four straight did hurt. 
Um, and while they are 40 and 21, they are, as you said, a game and a half behind the Nets. The Sixers, though, have a much more favorable schedule now going forward. 11 games left for the Sixers in this uh, shortened season, 10 for the Nets. They have a very difficult road ahead, more games against some of the NBA powers like the Bucks and Phoenix and Dallas. So I think the top seed is still very much there for the taking for the 76ers. Well, it may be, but it's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter. They're not, you know, you just don't know. By the way, what is the record on the nights he does not play? Is it still like one in whatever? No, it's not as bad as it was in past years. I think they're actually over 500 this year, but uh, they're still, yeah. I mean, they're still far better with him in the lineup than when he's not in the lineup. Well, I, I'll say the same thing. He, he's certainly a great player. Uh, he's got to be on the court. He's just got to be on the court. Unless these games just aren't important, like we've talked about before. If it's just about getting to the playoffs and you take it from there and see what happens and play it out, That's uh, if that's what it is, that's what it is. I'm glad they're not getting my money for that. Well, I'm hoping that he will play 10 of the last 11 games of the regular season and that they will finish in the top spot in the Eastern Conference. I think they got a good shot still. All right. We'll see. Hey, it's usually about time that we ring the bell, Chet, for uh, random Chet time. But I got a message uh, <laughs> that that random Chet wasn't happening this week. What, what's going on? Well, I was just so focused on uh, preparing for the draft and my interview with our second guest this evening um, that I didn't have time to think up a good random Chet. But I have a couple of things in mind for May. So it'll be returning to the schedule next week. I know everybody is crazy disappointed but i'm sorry folks well you know what i am thrilled <laughs> because i figured it would be like another elite talk elitist hollywood talk that would come out in random chat well, so when i got that message there was nobody any happier than me how about mark echel bringing up the academy awards though and i didn't <laughs> well that's because he knows you were the only one that watched it ah uh, come on there were almost 10 million of us who watched which no. is still by far the lowest ever for the oscars but hey <laughs> it is what it is Jeez. all right hey uh we mentioned nfl draft lineup for the edge of philly sports network chat this week starting tonight with our philly press box radio show with mark echel uh tell us again about the other shows and your live appearance on friday uh, what's going on? Yeah, we got it all covered. Uh, us and all the other shows on our little network. We had Mark talking tonight about the draft. Mark was great as usual. Um, normally the edge of Philly regular show is, uh, Wednesdays at nine 30, but not this week because the NFL draft starts tomorrow night. They will be covering the draft live as it happens, starting at eight o'clock. And it won't just be an hour, an hour and a half show. They're going to go, I think well into the night. That's what they did last year. And I'm sure they will this year now friday at 7 p.m that's when we're doing another live out in public show and that's at the south house pub in philly and uh we're gonna have a great time doing that it's me and freddie burns our old pal plus joe marks and kyle we are all gonna be there friday evening 7 p.m i won't be there till eight because i have a another job of course that i have to work at so i will be there the south house is on 2535 south 13th street in philly set your gps come out and see us we'll have a, a beer together hopefully at some point during the night and then things continue on into the weekend because the draft goes to saturday and ahead of all that on saturday the guys in the morning Patterson Avenue Fanatics are going to have Anthony Gargano joining them. Anthony from 97.5, the cuz. That'll be great. He he loves to talk football. And then Sunday afternoon, the Birds IQ show moves up a few hours to 3 p.m. on Sunday to recap everything that happened between Thursday and Saturday and talk all things birds. So we got it all covered for you five days in a row, Bill. Hey, that's excellent. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I do have a question for you, though. Um, your live show on Friday night, can you still watch that if you can't attend? Is that is that available on the I believe uh, that is the case. The I website? believe it will also be happening live on the website. If it's not live, I'm sure it'll be taped, but I think it is live. I, I really have to find out more of the details as far as what's happening Friday night, other than the fact that I'm going to be there. That's all I know, and that it's going to be live at the South House Pub. Well, Freddie, Freddie made a comment here not too long ago on our Sixers discussion. So if he's still on, maybe he could tell us so we can let the listeners know if they can't go, 
uh, which we'd like them to go. But if they can't, could they still listen to that show? The okay. other ones, obviously, you can listen to on the www.eopsports.com. Uh, it's a great website. It's got everything going on. Check it out. Subscribe. Follow. Um, Joey Sharon says Friday will be live on social media, so you'll be able you to go. see that as well. So thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. So uh, check out the website. Share, follow, hit the like buttons, do all that stuff. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter arrives every Friday by email. It's just a click of the button. It's free, and it covers everything that goes on uh, with the EOP shows throughout the week. So check that out. Yeah, and what they tell me is they have terrific wings at the South House Pub, so I'm going to make sure to take a break from the show and try some of the wings out. That's awesome. Do it. Hey, Chet, <laughs> you had a chance to sit down with a first-time guest yesterday from WMMR, Brent Porch. Brent, a huge Philly sports fan. Tell us all about it. Cadillac Brent Porsche, the guy. And uh, here's the scoop, Bill. Um, WMMR is celebrating its 53rd birthday this week. Tomorrow, actually, Thursday. Uh, they went on the air April 29th, 1968. So they are more than a half century old. So I figured this would be a great time to talk to Brent Porsche because not only is, it, is he a great guy, but he happens to be celebrating his 15th anniversary at the station. Brent is a diehard Philly sports fan. I know that from having talked to him several times over the years. He grew up in Springfield, Delaware County, and he is just an all-around great guy. So I figure if I can get this video to play, Bill, uh, I'm going to do that. And here is our chat, and then I have some very important information for you for after the video. It was a sports talk show. As you know, though, I try to sneak in a little music talk once in a while. And Philly has some great music radio stations and DJs. And I'm going to have what I'm sure will be a fun chat with one of them right now. Let's say hello to this guy, Cadillac Brent Porsche. How you doing, Brent? Hey, Chad. How you doing, man? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, man, I'm doing awesome. Uh, Brent, I've met you many times over the years. We've talked some sports. We've talked music. We've talked about our radio histories. But uh, which of the Philly teams do you follow the most? I'm guessing the Eagles. Well, you can see my hat right there. I got a yeah. Phillies representing, also P for Porsche. Eagles, very much so, yes. Love me some Flyers. Both of my brothers are hockey players, and my family has season tickets to the Flyers. You know, Sixers have been very exciting the past mm -hmm. few years, you know, especially we were trusting the process for all that time. It's nice to see it come to fruition. I just did a really cool event with the Philadelphia Union. I'm a former collegiate soccer player. Wow. Uh, you know, so I I love our Philly sports. I mean, every single one of them. And, it, and it's just exciting. And obviously during pandemic times and, and lack of games and people at, at events and stuff like that, I'm very much looking forward to getting in an arena or getting into Lincoln Financial Field or, you know, even Citizens Bank Park to to take in the sights and the smells and the ambiance, man. I miss it. Well, speaking of events, here's a picture of you and some old guy at an event in the fall of 2019. I remember that night well. Yep, 2019 was the year of the Fu Manchu. I don't have many pictures with a crazy handlebar mustache like that, so it's like, why not? But yeah, 2019 was the year of the Fu Manchu. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did I see that you were out at Chicago Soldier Field for the infamous double doink playoff game? Yes. Oh, my gosh. The, the crazy part about that was, uh, me and my buddy Roger, we flew out the morning of the game. We went to the Eagles bar in Chicago, and we we drank like crazy in the Eagles bar, and then we Ubered over to Soldier Field. We were at the double doink game. 43-yard attempt from the right hash mark. And, oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. I'll never forget it. Walking out of that place, people were screaming at us. They were so mad, not only with their team, <laughs> but they were yelling at us. Of course, we had all our Eagles gear as we were walking oh, yeah. through the crowd. And, dude, as soon as the game was over, we hopped in an Uber. We went back to the airport and flew right back to Philly. We were just there for the day. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. wild. Well, speaking of the Eagles, are you as disappointed as I am about the whole Carson Wentz saga and the way that went down? You know, I have a Carson Wentz jersey like the on-field jersey with the sewn-on numbers, and I didn't yeah. even take the tags off. It's it's hanging in my closet, <laughs> and I I was waiting for a reason to wear it. You know what I mean? And it's 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 such a shame that it had to happen that way, and it all went down that way. 
I hope Jalen Hurts is the real deal. I'm not expecting much of the Eagles this year. I still love them to death, but I feel like we still have maybe another transitional year or two before we start heading in the right direction. You know, there's always next year. That's ingrained in our Philadelphia mantra. So true. Hey, the Philly sports teams also have some great mascots, of course, including the Fanatic and Swoop. And true or false, you were a mascot of sorts in one of your radio jobs. Details, please, Brent. That's how I got my first job, essentially. When I worked for B101 in Philadelphia, uh, their their moniker at the time was Soft Rock and the Most Music. So we're talking Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and, uh, you know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And honestly, it was it was a job opening. I was trying to get a job anywhere and everywhere. Um, and, and it was like to be on their promotion staff. And yeah, I was the B for my first year <laughs> of being a professional radio host, I guess you could say, because I also got my first job as a, at, on air was at B101 as well. I did overnights on the weekends, man, at 22 years old, 21 years old, something like that. So, yeah. All right, Brent, we know Preston's a big Rush fan. Nick loves Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews. Pierre is a deadhead. Jackie loves the Stones. I think I know the answer, but uh, who's your favorite band? Shine Down, of course, but also Dave Matthews Band. Dave Matthews Band was one of my favorite bands growing up. I see my boys in Shine Down. A cool uh, story about that picture right there is that uh, we were up in New York at Tao Restaurant in, in New York City, and it was for a preview event for uh, some media people to hear the new songs from Attention Attention. So that's actually inside Tao Restaurant in New York City. Shine Down actually performed that night. So that's one of the, the cooler venues and cooler uh, opportunities i've had a chance to, to sit and hang with shine down but how many now, times have you seen shine down do you think i feel like i'm not at 100 yet i feel like i'm i'm approaching <laughs> that but uh like i said dave matthews band i'm well over 100 believe it or wow not. like dave matthews band they come through they play three nights over in camden they go play hershey yeah. they come back in the fall so they come through the area a whole bunch so that's why the numbers are a little spiked and they've been around a little bit longer but as far as shine down is concerned um, I've traveled, you know, all over the place to see them and, you know, I will continue to do so. And they're one of those bands that I'm, I'm proud to call myself a fan of and also be friends with the guys because to see them from what they were early on in the Leave a Whisper days when the first album came out to see where they are now, especially with all the new fans and all of the new eyes and ears and stuff on them. Like, I'm so pumped that they're as big as they've gotten and they're only getting bigger and people are so excited for what's next from Shinedown. And I really have a feeling that they're going to be up there one day with the Pearl Jams and the Metallicas and all that kind of stuff, really kind of waving the flag for rock. You know, I could be out every single night and be at an event, whether it be a sporting event, whether it be a concert, whether it be comedy, especially I think maybe with the pandemic, people's eyes opened up saying, once we can get back to doing what we can do, I'm seeing everybody. And it's like one of those things that like, I feel glad that I have been able to see everybody, not only because there's going to be a mad rush for people to go see all these bands and get tickets and all that kind of stuff in limited capacity, but some of these artists and people aren't aren't going to tour ever again, probably yeah. as a result, because they're too afraid to go. So I live by Pierre's mantra where he just keeps going. Like he just keeps going. <laughs> and, and so do I. It's like, if the opportunity is there, you might as well take it. But the on the flip side, that means I got to get up extra early to then go to a concert <laughs> before then I go to work at night to work for, you know, six hours. So uh, sleep is overrated. Don't worry about right. it. No rest for the wicked. Final question. What is the best thing about working at WMMR? Oh my gosh. Uh, the fact that I grew up in the area, the fact that Pierre Robert, it's Pierre Robert, you know, <laughs> I, I grew up with Pierre Robert and he hate, he hates that I'm, I mentioned this, but like I was, very 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 young when he started at mmr and to now be on the air with somebody that's celebrating his 40th anniversary this year i'm celebrating my 15th anniversary at mmr this year actually this month and pierre's is coming up in november I, you know i always used to say especially when i was part-time that i'm just happy to be on the team and and we're, we're on a sports talk here it's like when kevin franzen or ross glowed or one of those guys was called to be off the bench and fill in for ryan howard and chase utley and all those guys they still expect them to perform like anybody else taking the field. So it's like, I don't have to be a Ryan Howard or a Chase Utley. It's like when you ask me to go and perform and step in for the Ryan Howards and the Chase Utleys, like they have confidence in me to do so. There's nothing like MMR in, in most cities or anywhere else. And so people bring us with us on top of it. So it's like here in truckers and 
Maine and down in Texas and all that kind of stuff. It's just so cool that like our outreach and, and everything. And again, I'm just happy to be on the team. It's such a cool atmosphere over there. Everybody, it, it's a family. It really is. And, you know, there's not much turnover and I'm happy to have been there for 15 years now. Well, Brent, as I knew it would be, this was a blast. Thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Thanks so much, Chet. Thank you, everybody. Very cool stuff, Chet. Yeah, Brent's a great guy. I love his voice. I, I'm kind of envious of his voice. That's a radio voice for sure. Uh, now, here's the deal. Brent and I actually talked for a full 17 or 18 minutes, so you really only just heard half of our interview right there. To enjoy the full interview, you got to go to our Philly Press Box Radio YouTube channel, and you can do that immediately after we wrap up here. I have it set to launch at 8 p.m., Eastern time uh, the entire fun chat with Brent will be there right after we're done. And you'll hear Brent talk more about the Eagles, plus a few other things that you'll get a tease of right here, Bill. Check this out. I was out in Vegas for the Super Bowl, too, and to walk around Fremont Street with my Eagles jersey on after they beat the Patriots, that was damn cool, too. Ooh, it almost smells like somebody forgot to flush. <laughs> I almost killed Slash. <laughs> 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 there you go <laughs> good stuff good stuff yeah check that out tonight all right sounds good hey chet we got to talk phillies um they're now 11 and 12 vince velasquez your boy on the hill tonight um anybody in the nl east want to play more than 500 ball it doesn't look <laughs> like it somebody go break away from this group once hitting season gets gone well, if you're watching via video, you can see the standings. The Mets are 9-9. Nine and nine. The Braves and Phillies are both 11-12. and 12. They all have a negative differential in terms of runs this year. Only the Marlins at 10-13 and 13 are actually ahead in terms of run differential, but they're 10-13, and 13, and I don't think they're going to be a contender. The good thing is, Bill, it's early. There's a lot of time. They're not even done an eighth of the season as yet. Um, another good thing, Bryce Harper seems to be hitting pretty well. Reese Hoskins inconsistent, but as of yesterday, he was leading the league in homers with eight. So, uh, the pitching has been okay. As far as the first three guys, as we thought it might be though, four and five have been a mess with Matt Moore and, uh, Chase Anderson and now Vinny filling in. Um, but they're still only a half game out of first a long way to go, but they got to start hitting. They've only scored two runs each of the last three games. That's not good. Yeah, well, they got to get to that leadoff spot now, and you know, hopefully, uh, they made the finally made the move and brought Odubel Herrera up. We'll see how that works out. Uh, you know, all the side stuff aside from him, hopefully, he can hit the baseball because they need somebody in yeah. center field that can produce. Now, the big question to me: um, they brought Spencer Howard up last week. He pitched okay in his, I think, two appearances, uh, struck out the side in the one, and then they sent him back down. Why are they uh, have using kid gloves on Spencer Howard? Why aren't they ready to commit to him? Is it just an innings thing? They want him to – I don't know. I, I think it is an innings thing, and it's too it's too early in the season to bring him up and load him up because maybe they figure if they're still in the hunt in the second half of the season, uh, they can use him more then. But, you know, if they don't have somebody in that four or five spot that can get people out, they won't have to worry about the second half of the season. Yeah, that's true. And the bullpen, while certainly better than last year, has also blown a couple of games. Sam Coonrod comes in in relief of Zach Eflin last night. First pitch, boom, a two-run double. So uh, that wasn't good. Uh, last week, somebody gave up a, a home run right after Hector. they got it. How was it, Hector? Yeah, well, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, the bullpen's still a bit of an adventure. It's a work in progress, but I think it's going to get better. Uh, Archie Bradley now back, so that will help, I hope. Um, I'm not giving up on them yet, Bill. I oh, do no. think they're going to hit. I do think they're going to hit. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. It's way, way too early to get, give up on them, but uh, because nobody else is looking like they want to run away and hide either at this point. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens when hitting season comes and it, it's warm every day, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But when your center fielders are hitting a combined 093 or whatever it is, that's a problem. And Andrew McCutcheon, who got dropped from the leadoff spot tonight, I think he was batting fifth tonight, uh, he has not been hitting. And they say he's healthy, and his speed actually looks okay, but he's just not hitting. So I don't know if Andrew is just getting old or what's going on with him. Yeah, I, I don't know either. He said during the spring that he felt as healthy as he had felt in years and all that. But, you know, again, maybe uh, – Maybe he'll come around once the weather gets a little bit warmer and all that. But uh, 
you can't be hitting what's he at 146 150 yeah something, something like, like that, that. Uh, you can't be hitting that in the leadoff spot, especially when you are getting production from Hoskins and Harper and Romuto. Uh, you need to be driving in runs, and they're not scoring enough runs. Yeah, uh, we'll give them time. They got a homestand coming up uh, after these two more games to St. Louis. They got a homestand against the Mets and Brewers, and hopefully they'll do better because they certainly always play better at home than they do on the road. Yeah, maybe they can figure out some rotation where they don't see Degrom again. That would be that would be good. That would be nice. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good. Hey, Chet, we have a few minutes left, so I was going to uh, talk Flyers. Uh, we don't need to. <laughs> because we didn't want to talk about the elitists in Hollywood. So I knew if there was an open spot, you were going to oh. take it and do that, and I couldn't have it. So uh, I wanted to talk about our seventh anniversary of Philly Press Box Radio. I figured this was a good time to do that. Well, you know, Bill, when we started, the, by the way, almost 10 million people, as I said, watch the Oscars, but I digress. Yeah, when we started our show seven years ago, we didn't know what to expect. Um, we didn't know if anybody would listen. We weren't on video at the time, but it, it's certainly been a minor success story for us. We've come a long way. And here's the deal, the landscape seven years ago. Chip Kelly was coming off his first year as Eagles coach. We thought he'd be here a long time because it went so well the first year, playoffs and everything. The Phillies were in year two of a not-so-memorable Ryan Sandberg era. Didn't make it past year three. And they still haven't had a season above 500 since then. Craig Berube was the Flyers' head coach. He would win a Stanley Cup, but in a different city. So that didn't work out in Philly with the Flyers for Craig. Uh, they're on their third coach now since he got the axe, speaking of the Flyers. The 76ers were finishing up year one of the Brett Brown era and the process, which ultimately did land them both Joel Embiid, your favorite player, and Ben Simmons, but still not a championship or even a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, on the bright side, these Philly teams always give us something to talk about every week. So we're wrapping up year seven and starting off year eight next week, Bill. Well, and you know, I didn't know what you were going to say just because uh, I think our our listeners, viewers already know we don't practice this stuff and don't rehearse no. it. We do our own <laughs> stuff. But uh, eight players, Chet, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Sean Couturier, Fletcher Cox, Zach Ertz, Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, and Travis Kelsey are the only players, Jason. or Jason Kelsey, are the only players that were here seven years ago. <laughs> there are no Sixers and there are no Phillies. That does not surprise me. Yeah, there, There's a lot of turnover with all of our teams, so I'm not surprised that it's only eight players. And uh, wow. Well, and here's something else for you. You touched on this a little bit. We did get to see a Super Bowl. We did get to cover Super Bowl, and we got to see the process. That was interesting. But how about this? Brett Brown, Doc Rivers, Peter Laviolette, Craig Berube, Dave Haxtall, Scott Gordon, Elaine Vigneault, Ryan Sandberg, Pete McCannon, Gabe Kapler, Joe Girardi, Chip Kelly, Pat Schumer, Doug Peterson, and Nick Soriani have been head coaches, managers, during our seven years of Philly Press Box Radio. Pat Schumer only won game, so I don't even mention him. Well, but, uh, it it yeah. counts. <laughs> uh, we've seen a lot of coaches in our seven years, Bill. I'm sure we'll see a lot more for over the next seven, assuming we're here over the next seven. You probably um, weren't counting, but that's 15. That was 15 coaches. Wow, 15 in seven <laughs> years. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um and and along with that, uh, yeah. you know, we said the Super Bowl and the process. We know about that. Uh, nah, no playoffs for the Phillies and not so much for the Flyers either. So it's uh, no. it's been but a rough run. Congrats to Claude Giroux moving into third place on the all-time points list for the Flyers behind only Clark and Barber. And he's now ahead of our pal Brian Prop. Yeah, very good. All right. Hey, one last thing. Well, let me – I'll hit it at the end. Uh Great guest tonight, as always, with Mark Echo. Brett Porch was really good. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week, Wednesday, May 5th, as we do start our eighth year, the draft will be behind us, and we'll hopefully be praising Howie Roseman for selecting some terrific talent for the Eagles. Hey, it could happen, right? Uh, we're going to talk about all of it with a legend. Yes, the legend, the Hall of Famer. There he is, Ray Dinger back with us, not only to talk about the draft, but uh, he's going to 
also discuss his brand new book, which is called Finished Business, and that is out sometime in mid-May. So we are going to get a little preview of that next week from Ray Dinger himself. 50 years on the Philly sports beat. The book arrives, as I said, in mid-May, and we cannot wait to talk to Ray Diddy once again. That's awesome. That's awesome. You made my night again. I, didn't I knew know you'd that like that. Absolutely. I knew you'd like that. All right, Jet, let's jump over and uh, give a quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11-line Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. So check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC. 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room shop on Facebook. Mr. Chesco, parting shot. You know, I'm not going to do one tonight, Bill. I was going to talk about the whole Oduble Herrera thing because there's so much uh, controversy about that. Um, but I'm still trying to get my thoughts together on how I feel about it. I, In a nutshell, I think he deserves this second chance. I'm hearing a lot of radio hosts who don't feel that way. But as I see it, he served his time as a suspension. No, he was not in jail or anything because he was not actually charged, but let's give the guy a chance. You don't have to root for him except, you know, you want to help. You want to see the Phillies win, but you don't have to cheer for him. Just give the guy a chance. Hopefully he'll keep it in line and keep it real. And he has gone through the counseling and apologize. So I guess I just did a parting shot. There you go. <laughs> we will talk more about that later. I've you have a parting shot, Bill. Well, no, actually, I kind of covered it with my uh, my seventh year anniversary. But I did want to say, uh, with in our seven years, three hundred and thirty seven hours uh, of time that people have let us be part of their life, come into their house, whether it be audio and now video. And some of you and you're listening. I see your names over on the side. Have been with us since day one, and. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. We do this because we think it's fun and we, we have a good time. We don't make any money doing it. Uh, but uh, we certainly couldn't do it without you guys, and we appreciate you uh, letting us be part of your life. And in a lot of cases, uh, you know, Jeff, we've never even met these people still yet to this day, and uh, but they still let us be part of what they have going on. And, and We, we still don't know if – Still don't know if John Roberts really exists or is it just some phantom robot who sends us messages once in yeah, a while. I don't know. That, that's true. That's <laughs> what they say. All right. Anything else before we go? A couple of odds and ends. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend. I have no idea who's going to win because I, I just didn't check. I just know that Tori Kelly is singing the national anthem. I saw that. She's a nice young singer. Um, Wawa next month starts with its free coffee on Tuesday for rewards members again. Big fan of the Wawa coffee. And, Bill, I know you were a fan of this lady back in the day. Anne-Margaret, 80 years old today. That is not a recent picture. Anne-Margaret turning 80 years old today. Just thought I should mention that. Wow. That's all. And and you know what? Uh, speaking of that, it's not it's not today, but it's coming up. Willie Mays is going to be 90. Hmm. Willie Mays is the oldest living baseball Hall of Famer, and he's getting ready in the next month or so. I forget the exact time uh, to celebrate his 90th birthday. And it was 50 years ago this week that Kurt Flood played his last Major League Baseball game, that short 13-game stint he did uh, with whomever before calling it quits. Uh, and, of course, he changed a whole lot of things in baseball in terms of free agency with his decision to not report to our Phillies. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up, Chet. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Mark Echo and Brent Porch. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 5th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen for our website, phillypressboxradio.com on blogtalkradio.com Philly, slash Philly Press Box Radio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. And don't forget to check out all of the Edge of Philly sports shows this week starting now. And then Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, we got something going on every night. So mm -hmm. join us and high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Happy Trails!
bum 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 bum